Hey everyone, I'm Veronica Roshek, and I'm your host of the Amplify Iowa podcast. This is a place to hear the stories of our favorite, some of the fastest growing, and some super unique local businesses directly from their leaders. Thank you so much for being here. Let's go ahead and get started. Today we have a really fun and exciting, innovative, progressive business that we are talking to. We have Gabriel Glenn here from Make You Safe. He is a co-founder of this business venture and it is a very innovative product device in the wearable safety technology area. And I will let him kind of take it from here and explain how exactly Make You Safe got started and, you know, where it is today. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Veronica. It's really exciting to be a part of this. So thank you for highlighting businesses and, and picking Make You Safe. So of course. Appreciate yes. It. We really you appreciate know, having you. Yeah. And uh, welcome to our space. Uh, it's kind of a little bit lonely. There's normally a pretty good buzz around here and a lot of people, but of course we're uh, mid-pandemic, and so we, we try to do our best to, you know, let people work from home and come into the office only when necessary. So you got at least a little bit of flavor of the space, um, but it's really also uh, about the people. And, and so sometime it'd be fun when all this is over to have you back and you can meet more of the people. Yeah, absolutely. But alone, the space is very cool, very different than most things you see run a mill going through Des Moines. So it's really neat getting to see something from this standpoint of the R&D technology and then the actual software technology and how it all comes together. Yeah, there's a lot happening out here. And, and we can touch on that in a little bit too, um, yeah. Maple Ventures and, and this space and why we're here. But as far as Make You Safe goes, I, I feel like we should jump back a hundred years uh, to, to 1919. And there was a factory in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, uh, where a worker uh, left the factory and decided to, to go home. Uh, he lived on the property, didn't have a lot of money, he was poor, so he rented a home on the property of this factory. And he decided uh, early on into the first few weeks of working there that he was going to go home for his, his dinner break and, and spend dinner with his bride. And he did. And while he was having dinner, the, the factory exploded. And over the next few weeks, he spent that time uh, pulling the bodies of his 43 coworkers out, wow. of, out of the rubble. Um, and I tell that story because I wouldn't be sitting here with you today, Veronica, had it not been for that fortuitous dinner, because that was my great-grandfather who left that factory and went home to have dinner with my great-grandmother. And so had he been inside, he would have had the same fate as, as the others, right? So why that's important, factory accidents and people losing their life at work is still a problem today. It's come a long way in 100 years, but the reality is more than a 1,000 people every single day on this planet don't come home from work. It's a lot of empty dinner tables, right? And so uh, about four and a half years ago, um, I was out touring facilities for a podcast I was doing on manufacturing because mm -hmm. I'm kind of a manufacturing nerd. Um, my father was a machinist for over 20 years. And uh, so he was a safety manager at a facility, just recently retired. He was a safety manager for about 20 years with them. Um, and I, I happened to be inside of this facility where uh, a group from OSHA came in to do a surprise audit of the environment because the employees reported that they were losing their hearing. 
so OSHA arrives to determine are things in the environment causing this, this hearing loss. Um, and so I was fascinated by that and I got a chance to spend time with the people from OSHA and ask them questions, you know, what else do you guys look for? Uh, are there other things in the environment that are important or that uh, cause risk to an employee? And it turns out a lot of things are and a lot of things are governed by laws, whether it's, you know, heat protocol for temperature or air quality issues, lighting, you even have to have a specific amount of lighting for workers to, to do their job. Uh, and then of course, you know, sound, what inspired this. And so uh, Mark, my co-founder sitting in our lab there behind us, um, I reached out to him and he's just one of the smartest guys I know. I'd only known him for about six months. Uh, we'd done some hackathons together and some things like that, and, and I just found him to be a really fascinating person. And so I reached out to Mark and I said, hey, here's this problem that I think needs to be addressed, right? People aren't going home from work. Accidents cost billions of dollars in the U.S. alone. I think if we gathered better data, we could do what meteorologists do, and we could begin to forecast risk. We could understand when and where risk is going to happen before it happens based on a, a variety of factors. The problem was we needed to gather this data to be able to do it, and we wanted to do it from directly on the individual worker. So have you ever been in a factory environment, Veronica? I have, actually. I have spent some time touring sure. a few different factories. I've toured Tyson before. Oh, I've yeah. toured a, a couple, like a tractor machine factory. So uh -huh. a little bit of exposure to some of those environments. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so if you've been in those environments, you know that in a matter of a few feet, where you stand in that facility, your environment could be totally different. So if this table between Absolutely. the two of us is a machine, the, the sound is coming off of this machine differently for you than it is for me. And we're just a, f you know, a few feet apart from each other here. So um, the thought was we needed to gather this data from directly on the individual worker so that we knew at a very granular level what our workers facing uh, it, as it relates to the environmental context. And so that was the idea of, of Makey Safe and how it was born was let's gather all of this data in real time, process it in real time to try to identify when risk is beginning to present itself. Because today we just wait until something bad happens and then we do an investigation and we find out how oh, the lighting's bad in this area or, you know, it got really slippery because the humidity was high and the temperature was bad or somebody died of heat stroke. We just wait until bad things happen. So, so we want to constantly gather that and we want to do it from, from on a person. And so we started that journey uh, about four and a half years ago. Wow. And four and a half years ago, it's come a really long way. And you think about, you know, people that are entrepreneurial mindset and they always want to figure out how to solve a problem, right? They're like, gosh, I just know I need to, I need to find a problem so I can figure out how to solve it. And they're looking for it. And you've got a very personal experience that has really, that you're passionate about that's led you on this journey. And that speaks volumes, you know, from both the standpoint of you can save a ton of money for these corporations and businesses and companies, but then also being able to mitigate that risk that could be, you know, a deadly accident. That's, that's just, gosh, what a catastrophic, massive risk that you can try to mitigate from the front end. So that's, that's really awesome work. Thank you. It's, it's very real. I mean, in Iowa, we lose uh, on average more than a, a worker a week. Right. And, and these things, wow. um, you know, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. What we're doing isn't going to address the entire scope of the problem. But nobody's gathered this kind of data in human history from on people. And think of what we'll be able to learn over time uh, as workers around the world continue to use our product to help gather this data and, and our, our systems can get smarter and smarter 
at, at putting these puzzle pieces together. Yeah. So I know for people listening, I wish they were able to, you know, tour all of the things because there's different pieces to this puzzle that has become what these wearable devices actually are and how it gets implemented in, um, in these, these businesses really. Right. And so can you take us through how that has evolved? Because it started, you know, you always, you got to start somewhere and anything with technology for sure. And where you're actually creating something brand new that can get expensive fast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, More, more than I realized, you know, I, I have been uh, very fortunate to be in startups for, uh, for some time now, but everything I've done in the past was, was just software. So I'd never actually taken on a, a physical product before. Um, but like many good ideas, it started with a beer. Uh, it started at Rock Bottom Brewery where I, I met up with Mark and we talked about this problem. And um, Mark goes back to his lab and, and you know, hot glue and wires and, you know, <laughs> a hot pink uh, phone charger from Walmart and cracks that open and, you know, batteries and all this stuff. And, and, and he creates the first kind of what we called our alpha device. It was really kind of pre-beta, but it was just a proof of concept to say, can we put this um, device, and and, uh, of course, nobody can see my hand, but I'm holding what, you know, about the size of a hockey puck is what it would be. And uh, can we put this device in a factory setting and and gather data in real time and and push it to the cloud? We were pretty confident we could do that. I mean, that's what IoT does, right? And, and, uh, And we did, and then we said, okay, now the next step is let's, we got to make this small and we got to make this wearable, right? And, and so, uh, you know, we operated in the early days off of capital from, from Mark and myself. Um, and then pretty quickly we figured out, yeah, we were going to need to raise some outside capital in order to, to make this dream happen. Um, and I thought, you know, may, maybe we would need about a million dollars, but, you know, maybe a half million dollars would probably get us there. Maybe it would take us about 12 months, maybe 18 months. Uh, and here we are, you know, four years later, uh, we've raised over $10 million in, in, in venture capital, most of which has gone to the R&D and setup of the technology. Um, but we're to a place where we have a piece of enterprise technology being produced at scale um, in, a, in a contract manufacturing facility and then being shipped to us and being deployed out across the U.S. and soon to be deployed outside of the U.S. Uh, here in a few weeks. That's awesome. So how do you get someone, you know, when you're in early stages of something that's really a very... It doesn't exist, right? Right. So you have to um, educate people on what exactly this is going to do and gather that data. How did you begin gathering that data to figure out it worked? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And part of it is trying to get others to understand the vision, right? And what it could be. What we're doing makes a lot of sense. That's what we heard from a lot of our early investors is they, as we describe what we're wanting to do and we describe how we want to do it, they go, oh my Lord, this is a huge problem. It is hundreds of billions of dollars in the, in the United States, right? Plus the loss of life. Why has nobody done this before? I mean, it makes way too much sense. So they could just draw a dotted line already to what the technology could be and how it could operate. The reality is there was a lot of things preventing it from coming before this. One is, you know, we all wear, I'm wearing an Apple Watch right now. Do you have an Apple Watch? Or, yeah. Garmin watch yep. on. So, yep. Yeah, That's, we wear wearables yep. now. We're mm-hmm. okay with things being on us that are, that are um, you know, observing things in our environment and ob- observing ourselves, right? So we're just a little bit more comfortable. The technology is small enough. The batteries have, have become powerful enough, right, to be able to 
to run these things for longer periods of time. There's just a lot of things that kind of came together that made sense uh, for this. Um, And then a big part of it is just spending time working with the employees that are wearing the technology and getting their feedback and working with the experts in the field that deal with the problem that we're trying to solve. and, and making sure that we're incorporating all of those things. We, one, we knew we needed to be an advocate for the worker. We couldn't be a watchdog for the worker. If we're a watchdog for the worker, the delivery device for getting this data is the worker, and they're not going to want to participate, right? So we can't have it be about watching the worker. We're not, we're not looking at heart rates. We're not tracking are they working fast enough, right? And quite frankly, a company that would use a technology like this to try to do that isn't a good fit for us anyways, right? Because what we're showing is that there's a tremendous amount of value in the human worker and in the life of a human being, right? And we want the companies that that believe the same thing, right? So uh, for us, it's really truly about making sure that the, the worker is being seen as an individual, that their environment is being represented as to what exactly they're specifically facing. And then we want to get all of that information from them to the cloud platform and then in the hands of safety and operations people so they can do just what we're doing today, sit down and have a conversation, look at data and say, how can we make your work better for you so that it's safer and it removes risk from us as a company and it removes risk from you as the worker that we want to have in here tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Absolutely. Yeah, that it makes a lot of sense. Um, as you said, the investors have said also, it, it, it certainly it, it weaves a really good story. It makes a lot of sense. And then I'm sure there's people along the way that are like, well, it hasn't been done before. Maybe it's not possible or uh, maybe there's not a true need here, whatever it happens to be. But um, as as you've alluded to, too, you know, if you can target and find those true risks in those factory settings and different things and be able to truly proactively do something about that. That can be, that's your huge differential, right? It is. Um, something we talked about too before, you know, as I got to tour this space is how um, the, um, some companies are, you know, they'll start with a smaller sample group, right? And then they will trial it. And then after trialing it, um, and they're seeing the value and seeing the true need and, and what it can give them. And then from there, they're really bought in, right? And then they're, they're able to see how that scales forward. Um, what sorts of things, what feedback are you getting from those, from those customers that have been early adapters? Yeah, we've had some really great examples, uh, you know, early on. We actually just launched at a facility here a few weeks ago in Kansas City. Um, and one of the first things that came up in the dashboard was the system identified that somebody was making a forceful pushing and pulling motion, right? So we, we watch human motion because we want to understand are, are people having to do repetitive motions? Are they having to do high G-force motions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, physicality of work is a risk to the worker. The more physical the labor is, right, the, the higher the, the propensity for, for accident is. And we want to know if people are slipping or tripping and, and things like that. So we're looking at motion and the system said, hey, this particular worker has flagged for a forceful push-pull motion. The safety person gets that notification. They go out and talk to the person. They say, what are you doing that's causing you to have to, you know, forcefully push something or or jerk on something? And they say, well, this is the fixture that I have to drag around to the different workstations. And there's a caster wheel that's broken on this thing. So I have to Uh. jerk it along, right? 
And the, and the person was like, holy cow, here's, this is a hazard, right? This is hazardous to this worker. It's a simple fix. We didn't know about it, right? If we knew about it, we could have done something about it. So they take a picture. Uh, they uh, assign it to the maintenance person to get that thing fixed. And boom, the hazard is gone, right? Now, would that person have necessarily been injured by that? Maybe or maybe not, but over time that risk continues to build and the likelihood of an accident continues to grow. So we see example after example of things like that or, you know, sound exposure flagging on an employee where they've been on shift for th only three hours and they're already at 90% of their allowable exposure and they work in an area that doesn't require hearing protection. And then they go over and find out that they're actually having them do concrete sawing because they're going to put in a new machine and they need to cut some areas of, you know, the concrete out. Well, that's not a normal thing, right? And now that person's being exposed to all this sound and we have to stop that immediately because not only is that a risk of a violation to the company, but it's a risk to that employee and, and they want to have, they're going to want to have their ears and be able to hear you know, later on in life. So it's just examples like that that get our team fired up. And we know that more and more things like that will continue to get picked up. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and it's, it's good to have those, you know, you have that applicable data now and that um, you have those examples of, of things that you've been able to see and do in real time. Uh, you alluded to a little bit your team and you have, you have a co-founder here as well. Um, how many people do you have on your team and what is your, you know, what is your team consist of from a holistic standpoint of, you know, manufacturing and sales and actual vision and development and all these pieces that go into this business? Yeah, I think as of last week, I think we had a couple more offers accepted to, to join our team. So we're up over 20 now, which is cool. If you go back 18 months, I think it was four of us. Wow. Yeah. So Mark and I, uh, you know, carried the torch and ran for a long time in the beginning um, and, and took it a long way. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, we're kind of transitioning. Our team likes to talk about our North Star. And for a long time, our North Star was building a piece of technology, right? Inventing this thing, innovating it, creating, making it accurate, making it so we can mass produce it so it's not so expensive that people just can't afford to buy it. All of these things, right? And now we, we, we've done all that. We have it. We have a functioning product that people are able to use and glean insights from, and we can produce it at a very low cost. So now our North Star is, hey, we need to get this thing into the world, right? And so we're producing uh, 8,000 wearable devices uh, over the next 12 months. A big chunk of those are already sold and spoken for to, to companies, which is really cool. It's just a matter of getting inside of these places and getting mm -hmm. installed. And COVID's been a bit of a challenge for that because a yeah. lot of places don't allow vendors or we've had projects that have been put on hold because of, of COVID or we've, we've, you know, gotten a call the day before and we've been told, hey, you know, some of our population has tested positive. We need you to stay away for a couple of weeks till we go a couple of weeks without a positive test. So... There's been some challenges with that, um, but we're now growing our team in sales, service, support, and we look at our customer success team as the people that are going to help, you know, foundationally set the stage for what will be our, our accelerated, accelerated growth in the years to come. Yeah, that's great. You're really scaling the company. Now you've got the, the, th the thing, the yep. technology, um, you've got the devices, and now you're able to scale the actual business. Used, so where, yeah. where are your clients? You just mentioned, you know, Kansas City is one area. Um, who are those ideal customers for you? Yeah, they're really, um, well, I'll say, I'll describe it this way. So we have really kind of two types of customers. One, 
we have what typically ends up being larger corporations like maybe uh, Cintas or um, Exelon Energy um, or big companies, right, that are oftentimes they're self-insured. Um, so they actually pay for the losses. They have their own work comp division. Uh, so if something bad happens, that's directly off of, of their bottom line. So we work with companies like that. But then we also found out, and th this was really interesting because we didn't even think about it when we started the company, but we found out pretty quickly what we're doing has a significant impact on the insurance and financial industry, right? Companies like EMC Insurance, Accident Fund out, out of Michigan, uh, and others are, are work comp um, insurers, and they recognize that what we're doing is going to be better for their business, right? It's going to help them um, make sure that the people that they insure are, are healthier, happier, safer at, at work. Um, but they also recognize that the data that we're producing can help them get better at understanding where risks are in across the spectrum of the workforce and many of these companies have industrial hygienists they have safety trainers they have ergonomists they have all of these resources on staff at these insurance companies and they deploy them today after somebody has an accident you know right we talked about that earlier yeah, when something bad happens they go investigate now they're going hey w with data we can see when one of our customers is starting to experience a change in their environment that's not normal uh, from where they're normally at, we're going to send our industrial hygienist out there and he's going to do some deeper testing and help them come to a conclusion on, on what this is, right? So be more proactive in the way that those resources get used for their customers. So it's not just always, you know, chasing, chasing the fires. So we have a lot of insurance uh, carriers, uh, brokers, agencies, loss control companies that either pay for our product to be in the hands of their customers or they subsidize it um, or they partner with us to make introductions to get their customers hooked up uh, on, our, on our technology. Um, and so we, we kind of have, have groups, um, you know, in those two spaces. And then I mentioned, you know, we're coast to coast. We have customers right now in, in multiple states. When we ran our pilots in 2019, we were in six different states. Uh, I would suspect that by the end of this year, uh, we'll be in over a dozen states um, and, and two countries coming up with our first international deployment. Uh, hopefully, as long as we can get travel figured out, we're, we're supposed right. to be deploying at a, at a very large company in Mexico. Uh, which will be our first one outside of the U.S. Uh, borders. But we recognize this is a problem worldwide. And so we've been working with companies in Japan, talking about doing distribution and deployment in there. Um, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Canada, um, Germany, uh, Switzerland. Oh. So really, there's just opportunity for us everywhere. We're trying to do our best to make sure we take care of our own backyard as best we can. Um, but uh, but we want to be able to show the world that we can you know we can go anywhere. Absolutely, yeah. The the problem exists Everywhere. anywhere, right? There's Everywhere. it's not a it's not something that's very specific to to just right here. So that makes sense. Yeah, as you're describing all of that too, it um, it makes me think of you know I recently moved, and so you know you're always looking for ways you can get discounts on your homeowner's insurance, yeah. <laughs> and so it's kind of similar to like uh, you know from an insurance standpoint on that end, you know, they're trying to protect their liability, so. For example, maybe you install uh, cameras on the outside of the house or something like yeah. that that could be an extra layer of safety and then they'll actually give you a discount on uh, on your service. And so um, it makes sense that, that the insurance company side would see that as you know they're protecting their own liability for their people as well and um, it all, all weaves together. Tells yeah. We all want the same thing, yeah. right? We want yeah. people to, to be safer and that, uh, that ultimately helps everybody. Sure. So. That, that makes sense. That's really cool. 
Um, can you tell us about a time when maybe uh, through your whole journey, something didn't go very well? Um, because as you're growing on a massive scale and, you know, um, anyone that's a business owner, you always, you know, there's something super unexpected. You, you try to plan for everything unexpected, but yeah. can you give us a story of something <laughs> that didn't go well. Yeah. One, <laughs> one immediately comes to mind. Um, I mentioned when we were first here, there was a, there was a wall over there and, and we were in this, you know, kind of tiny little room, uh, that very first, uh, base station kiosk that's hanging on the wall, the gray one that I showed you yes. that showed up. And we had a very big meeting planned for the next day. We had 13 people that were going to come and pack themselves in that tiny little room. Oh, wow. From a very large... Um, couldn't do that today it, from a health standpoint. No, no, no. No, you couldn't. No, it wouldn't make sense at all. Um, even from a comfort standpoint. Yeah. Um, but uh, we had all these people coming to see this technology. They were executives flying in from all over the country, uh, executives for a very large insurance company. And this was going to be one of our first you know, big insurance deals. So we get that kiosk shipped to us from, from our engineering team uh, out in San Jose, California. Mark and I are here, uh, you know, crushing Taco John's, you know, until midnight, you know, getting this thing kind of up and running and hung on the wall. And we, we tried it a thousand times. It worked flawlessly a thousand times out of a thousand. Uh, we decide to, to call it a night. We go home. Uh, we come back the next morning. Uh, the executives are coming. We're, we're greeting them. We get everybody seated and we go to give a demonstration of how the key, the kiosk works. And, and Mark walks up to check a device out and it won't turn on. It won't work. It's not doing oh. anything. And so he's, you know, fiddling with things. And of course, I'm, you know, then I'm trying to describe, well, here's how the process does work. You know, I'm not sure what's good. We did a thousand times. You know, this is how it always goes, right? Murphy's Law. Yeah, of course. So anyways, we, we couldn't <laughs> get it to work. Uh, we, we ended up having great meetings, you know, um, got to walk them through this. Uh, excuse me, software side of things. It just, it went really well, but they never got to see like the coolest part of it. Well, come to find out earlier in the morning before we arrived about 5 a.m., one of the shop managers here, who's always in really early, they had received an award here at Ramco and he hung the plaque on the other side of the wall of where our base station kiosk is on the same stud that our kiosk is mounted. So he's out there pounding, you know, a nail into the wall and inside of our kiosk at that generation, right? We had a, a little SD card and that SD card is what runs the base station. It has all of the programming on it. And from him pounding that plaque into the wall, it unseated that SD card inside of the base station. <laughs> I mean, of all, days, of all days, of all areas of this entire building that they could have hung that award, it went on the stud that our kiosk was hanging on the opposite side. So, you know, things don't always go right. You try to roll with it. You do what you can. Um, that's just one immediate example that comes to mind. There's been hundreds. So oh, absolutely. Yeah, hundreds. as there always are. That's, uh, yeah, that's how ironic that that would happen. But at least you figured it out <laughs> yeah. and you were able to tell tell people, oh, well, here's actually yep. what happened. Not a great story, but <laughs> there is a reason for this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, what is next for Make You Safe going forward. So um, you've talked a little bit about, obviously from here, you're, you're, you're scaling, you're getting the devices out into the hands of your people. Um, but what what is the vision? 
Yeah, there's there's a couple of things to it, right? There's there's the deployment of product and getting it out into the wild and getting it into more hands of of, of customers, right? Um, and then there's looking at what does it what does it take to scale that, right? We're, we we want to do eight thousand devices this year. Um, that's a pr- pretty big chunk to bite off, but we want to do eighty thousand the next year. We want to do ten times that, right? And some of the companies we're working with have. 300,000 employees, right? So if it goes well and they want to scale with us, we want to have the ability to scale with them. So certainly uh, exploring things like distribution partnerships and and implementation strategies and uh, even just the growth of our own team, right? Which would would, would take a substantial amount of capital for us to to grow 10 times the size we are today to support, you know, 10 10 times the amount of, of technology in the field. So there's always that aspect of it. You know, how do we make sure that we're capitalized to stay ahead of of where we want to be, right? We can't wait until we're, we need to do that growth to, to, to do that. So there's that side of it. And then there's the technology side, right? COVID presented us with some opportunities that we didn't even think about. Um, contact tracing, worker density, none of this stuff, social distancing, that wasn't even in our vernacular, you know, six months ago, let yeah. alone when we started the company four years ago. And uh, because we are gathering location information, we know where Veronica is in a factory. We know where Gabe is in a factory. And we know if Veronica and Gabe were ever in the same place at the same time. And so poof, this happens and we go, well, hey, we can just write a script so that if, if Gabe tests positive for COVID-19, and we can say, hey, I want to select Gabe as the worker, and I want to see all the people he's been around for the last two weeks, right? And we could just instantly create those reports. We can see where all the workers are concentrated inside of a facility, kind of like a heat map, right? See where that density is so we can go, hey, let's go look at social distancing practices in this place. So we continue to work on things that will also allow our workers, I think, to be more connected to the factory 4.0 environment, whether it's connected machines or connective environmental systems um, and things like that. We just see a lot of opportunity because our our device has uh, ears and eyes and brains and it can it can connect to other things. We just see that there's a lot of opportunity in that space. So um, heads down, moving forward, you know, growing the team and getting the product out there. And we know if we can continue to do that, then, then good things will happen. Absolutely. So much room for all kinds of opportunities there in in the world going forward. It's so exciting. But yeah, as you said, of course, that whole head down and continue on your path and get the job done is important too. So that, uh, you know, there's so many things that you can do with it. It's hard not to chase squirrels, (laughs) that's for sure. But, you know, we got it. We have to keep some R&D going. So we have to be looking outside on the fringes a little bit. Um, But I think we've done a really good uh, job uh, between Mark and myself and our board um, and our leadership here to just make sure everybody knows, hey, this is our North Star. This is the direction we're going, and it's all hands on deck to get us there. And if we achieve that, then and, then good things will come, and we've been able to do that along the way so far. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything about Make You Safe with me and with our listeners today. And I yeah. am just very excited to see what comes next and to follow along in the, the journey and, you know, see what see what comes. Yeah. Thank you, Veronica. We're so excited to be a part of this. Thank you for for what you're doing and highlighting some of the local businesses. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. We're glad that you are a part of our community. Thanks so much. Thank you you for listening to the Amplify Iowa podcast. If you enjoy these stories, please leave us a review, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and follow Amplify Iowa on social media. A-M-P-L-I-F-I-A. Amplify Iowa. Small businesses. 
doing big things. <laughs>